you're tuned into Bible Snacks. Not the full meal, just a spiritual snack for On The Go. So I've been interested lately in uh, solar power and what I can do to actually harness the power of the sun, right? And and use uh, solar panels and convert the sun into energy and supplement the house. So I started looking online and there's all sorts of websites of, you know, easy do-it-yourself kits. And like, okay, uh, maybe this isn't as hard as I thought, you know? So, um, of course, these things can get pretty pricey. So I start seeing that you can save a lot of money if you do it yourself. And I start looking at all the pieces that like I have to buy. And then, of course, they have kits that you can just get this whole easy do-it-yourself kit. Well, the more research I do, the more questions I start to have. I'm like, okay, is this, this starting to seem a little more advanced than easy do it yourself. So finally I decided to call the guy, the website and talk to him. And I, I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. You know, the website says easy, you know, do it yourself. Um, am I understanding this correctly? Can I do this? Can I do it? And thankfully he said, no, <laughs> no, I, I don't think you can. <laughs> you know, he said, well, you're definitely going to want to hire an electrician to do the install portion to the circuit panel. So the question is, how did he know that you weren't an electrician? Yeah. <laughs> he judged you on your voice. Right. I mean, were you offended by the fact that he <laughs> yeah. said you couldn't do it? I guess I wasn't sounding confident enough in my in my voice. With Too the many questions. questions. Too many questions, yeah. Yeah, because I guess if you lead into it, do you think I can? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was a tip off. <laughs> well, and if you listen to our podcast episode, one of the earlier ones about electricity or being electrocuted or something, you'll know I don't have a good history with electricity. So <laughs> mixing me and do-it-yourself electricity is probably not a good idea. Um, and he, he told me, he said, look, if you, you can do it yourself, but if you make one mistake and you connect one thing to the wrong thing, you're going to fry, you know, $3,000 worth of equipment or worse, your whole house. Right. So that's when I was like, all right, um, pass, you know, can't do it. Yeah, so, so much for the do-it-yourself kit. <laughs> yeah, so I just opted for one that's already kind of put together and it's just a – they did all the hard stuff and you have a nice prepackaged boom. Right. Good. So that's me. I mean, I don't know if you've ever went to the store and you walk down the arts and crafts aisle and you see all these packages – of these crafts that says you can do this in five minutes and it's yeah. a beautiful looking whatever and you think to yourself yeah i can do that you know <laughs> i'll just take that home and open it up and follow the directions and all and pretty soon as you get involved in it you realize i'm not cut out for arts and crafts <laughs> it turns out that okay now it looks more like a mousetrap than it does a birdhouse yeah so were you and debbie do it going for a uh try try a a craft I attempted probably two in my lifetime. Uh, Debbie is the craft person. Bethany is a craft person. Tessa is a craft person. It sort of leaves me and Daniel out of the loop. <laughs> I did attempt it because, you know, if, if she's interested in something, you'd like to try. It looked fascinating to me. And my first attempt, she did what was known as cross-stitch. And that's a, an old-time thing that ladies did. And it looked like you had a needle and some thread. And how hard could it be to push it up from the bottom and push it down through the top? And yet the finished product really looked nice. 
So I attempted it. I got mine, put it on the canvas, stretched it out, put the loop around it, got out the thread and started going. I realized real quickly that if you're not careful what those needles can do to your fingers real (laughs) fast, going from the bottom to the top, I'm thinking I'm coming up beyond my finger only to find out, nope, that's in your finger. Yeah. And then you realize it. But as I started to do it, I realized that underneath of that thing, it was a jumbled mess. Those uh, threads were just getting hooked in one another and I tried to pull it up and I couldn't do it. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of like our lives sometimes as Christians. God's looking down from heaven. He sees the top of that cross stitch and it's beautiful. When somebody knows what they're doing and finishes that craft, oh, it's just beautiful. Right. But if you turn that over, the underside where we view life often is a jumbled mess. There's threads going from left to right. There's just knots. They're green, blue. There's no rhyme or reason. But on the top, it's beautiful. Yeah. It looks great. Sort of reminds me of a verse of scripture in the Bible out of Ephesians chapter number two and verse 10, where it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship. We're that masterpiece. We're that craft. Mm -hmm. And thank God he's not done working on us. He's still a work in progress in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, we look at it, scripture in Genesis when God created us. And it says uh, in Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden uh, to dress it and keep it, or, you know, to cultivate it and keep it. Um, so from the very beginning, God has ordained that that we also, too, have work to do and that we be creators. I mean, we're made in his image, and God is a creator. And so uh, he creates ex nihilo, right, where out of nothing he can create. We have to work with uh, our do it do-it-yourself packs to create. Um, but even from the beginning, God had given us all the animals and the birds and said, here, you name them. You come up with the name and uh, make for what, what you will. Um, so I think that that just goes to show that it's part of God's plan from the beginning that, you know, he's created us um, and that we, we also have the mission to work with the creation he's given us to give something back to him in glory. Yeah, because you think about it, you know, that kit comes with all the pieces, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is you need, you know, the glue, the wood, uh, whatever it is you're putting together. And you have to follow the instructions. Of course, if you're like me, a lot of times the instructions get set on the floor and I go about doing my own thing. Uh, never has a good turnout. I can guarantee you that. So God's given us his instruction, the, the word of God. And yeah. we're to work with him. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And he says unto good work. So even though we are a work in progress every day, we ought to be out there showing and revealing what God's doing in our lives because that attracts other people. When you go through the store, you can see those promotional things sticking up somewhere and you look at that. It just entices you enough to go say, let me look at this. Let me, <laughs> let me buy that. And as Christians, we should be the same thing. We should be that billboard, so to speak, for God that people say, hey, there's something different about them. There's something unique and, and ask and share the gospel and get other people encouraged and excited about the things of God. Absolutely. Yeah, the um, the other verse I was looking at was, uh, where is it? Second Timothy uh, 2.20. 
And it talks about how in the house, you know, there's vessels of gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and clay. And so uh, if we want, if we desire to be one that's uh, for honorable use, like, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a vessel of gold and silver than, yeah, than clay. <laughs> um, and it says, if you want to, if you desire to have that, then you must cleanse yourself from that, what which is dishonorable. Um, and so you are to be set apart as holy, useful uh, for the master, ready for every good work that he has for you. Yeah, because he has a purpose for all of us. That's for sure. Yep. Well, just like he placed Adam in the garden, right, to dress and keep it, he has placed each and every one of us in a certain place, a certain town, a certain workplace, um, certain people that we come in contact with. And so we have to look at that and say, okay, this is where God has placed me, has put me. Uh, what is it that he wants me to cultivate and keep and, you know, till up for him? Uh, how can we be be a, a good workman? Yeah, because if you look at it, uh, in essence, the old saying is he has no other eyes but ours, no other hands but ours. Mm. And so we are those outreach um, and just like it uh, tells us in Jeremiah about the clay and the potter, yes, we're the clay and he's the potter and he's molding us and making us. But at the same time, just like any pottery store you walk into, there's different stages of things going on. You know, you have that piece that's still on the wheel being formed and fashioned by the potter. Other places you have those getting ready to go into the kiln, the fire, to be glazed. Mm. And then other shelves have the final product. But most people gear and gravitate to what? The finished product. Yeah. And look at it and say, wow, I like to have that. But they don't realize it has to start out somewhere in the earth, <laughs> getting the clay out of the earth. And then it's transported to the potter and he puts it on the wheel and he fashions it, forms it. Then it goes in the oven, comes back out to get all the impurities out. Then he glazes it and push it, puts it back in the fire. We look at the final one and think, wow, that is great. But that's what we should be as Christians. We should be that final product. And I say that only attractive to people and say, where did you get that? Hmm. Who did that? Who, who's the master behind that? Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful piece of work. And that should be how they describe us as believers. It made me think about Jesus being the carpenter. And a lot of times we just kind of, you know, don't really think about that part of the story. He just yeah, was a carpenter and then went about his ministry. But God created created the heavens and the earth and, you know, in the beginning. But then when Jesus came in the form of man, he was also a creator and, you know, carpentry was his, his trade, his job. Well, what did he create in a physical sense? I, I think if you look at it, uh, my dad was a carpenter, uh, built about, I think just about 90% of the homes that we live in, he built, mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were creators and he made many things, but there's also the other aspect that most people don't realize, especially back in Jesus's day, they brought broken things to him to fix. Mm, that's true. So not only did he create things, but anybody in the village where he lived in, in Nazareth or Galilee, wherever he was, probably brought a lot of things, chairs and tables and said, can you fix this? Whereas most people would look at it and say, you know, it's not worth it. Let's throw it away. Huh. But he would fashion and fix it and send them on their way with something right. that had been broken, but now fixed. And let me ask you a question. What would you cherish more? Something that Jesus created and made 
or something that you already had that was broken that he fixed. Something that he fixed because it was already important to me. Yeah, it's already something that's a part of your life and all he fixes it. He restored it. He restored it. Mm -hmm. Just like he does with our lives a lot of times. And you come to a point in our life that we've reached the dead end road and things just aren't working out. We've tried everything. And somebody comes along, that workmanship, that one that's been created in Christ and says, hey, have you ever tried to turn it over to Jesus? Yeah, your life's broken. Your marriage is broken. Your children are broken. Have you ever thought what Jesus could do with it if you just give it to him? Mm. And he can. He can restore and fix all of those broken things in our lives. That's pretty That's cool. True. I never thought of that. So you think he was a good carpenter then? Yeah, and I actually <laughs> think of this way. I, I mean, this is me because I grew up, like I said, with that and seeing the angles and the stuff. There's a lot of things in carpentry that you wouldn't think would be neat to see tool-wise. You know, you think, oh, what is that? But it's in the Bible. Think about a plumb line. Yeah. In there, then the Bible talks about a plumb line. It talks about four square. Do you know there's a tool that a carpenter has? It's a four square. Mm. You have all kinds of things that are in the Bible that are associated with carpentry. No doubt he knew that as a sense of what mm -hmm. he was doing, but he also used a lot of analogies that carpentry had, you know, building the boats. Noah, uh, if you look at it from the very beginning, there was some form of carpentry. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Um, and then, you were telling me before about uh, a story where you got a painting painting kit or something like that. How'd that yeah, work like out for you? My second craft after I <laughs> attempted to cross this was to try to paint. And for those listeners that are in the 50s and 60s and beyond, remember on Maryland Public Television years <laughs> ago, this happy little painter, this guy would come on and he would paint this happy little painting. And I was always fascinated because he'd start out with this palette and all these different colors and this paintbrush. And he would begin to say, let's do this and let's put this here and a happy little this here and a happy little that there. And I was amazed that in 30 minutes he could put out a painting that I would buy. You know, I'd go to the store and buy it. Just look beautiful. And I remember at the end of the show saying, you can do, can do this. Buy this kit, you know, for $19.99 and you can become the painter. So Debbie and I decided we would try to do the painting. Little did I realize there's some preparatory work you have to do before you can just get the painting and start. So in my case, I just started. Opened up those tubes, you know, put on the blues and the green and the reds. Of course, he had different names for them, but that's the colors I knew. And just started painting. And before I realized it, mine didn't look anything like his did on the television program. Well, come to find out, you have to prepare the canvas <laughs> to receive the paint. And what I found unique about that is talking about you and I that are saved as God's workmanship. We're like that canvas. We have to be prepared. And he's the artist. He's the one that has the picture in his mind of what he wants to portray and put on the canvas. And so it's in his mind what he wants you and I to be. We just have to be prepared. And did you realize it? And most people don't think this way, I'm sure. And I always say I think differently. I know. But did you realize that once that thought is in the artist's mind, it's transferred into the artist's brush and then it's transferred into the paint before it ever gets to the canvas. So the thought has to go from him to the brush, to the paint colors, to the canvas. Hmm. And just like our lives being that canvas, there's some colors that are your favorite. What's your favorite color, Chad? Uh, black. 
<laughs> Bethany, we'll go to you. What's your favorite color? Keep that thought. Though. Wow. Um, pink. Pink. And my, mine's blue. Lively. You so know. if you think about those colors, think about it. Black, pink, and blue. And if we're talking about our lives and the brush going into those paints, there's some paint colors we don't associate with good, happy times. Black. <laughs> Black. Uh, but other colors, they excite us and they encourage us. But did you know every one of those colors is actually a part of your life? Yeah, there's some dark times. Yeah, there's some times that are not the most familiar and nice and all. But there's some joyous times. But they all go back into that paint yeah. and put onto that canvas that's been prepared. And believe it or not, by the time it's done, you have your whole entire life, your workmanship, what God created. Yes, it's different colors applied at different times in our lives. Mm-hmm. And what I found unique... Watching this painter on TV, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He'd put some paint over here in the corner and the other corner and, a, you know, in the middle. I'm thinking, that looks like mine. Why does it end up so beautiful? Because he's building from the inside out. He's laying foundation and then he's working from the foundation until he finally puts that last bit of paint on there. And you're like, wow. That is a happy little trail with a house <laughs> and the sun is shining. It is beautiful. And that's usually how we view life. We see it in stages. And sometimes the colors aren't the best. It doesn't look like it's anything, only to find out, yeah, you know what? This was ordained before I ever was born to be this masterpiece yeah. that God's creating. Now, can you impersonate Bob Ross's voice? <laughs> no, I don't think I can whisper that low and talk like that. But he had a voice that would either keep you in tune and watching or put you to sleep. One of the two. One of the two. <laughs> I think it was kind of an encouraging, encouraging voice. Almost, yeah, just make you feel peaceful. Yeah, and I think that's what you kind of want to convey sometimes with people. Yeah, you know, is that hey, you know, that calming sense that you've got a need or you got a problem, and you share it with me. Let's talk about it. Let's 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 reason together. Yeah, and get it out, so to speak, to where you can get past that issue or problem. Well, when you talk about the whole paintbrush analogy and everything, uh, and the God as the painter, right? It really makes me think of the Holy Spirit as the paintbrush, because mm-hmm. you're talking about Him taking the colors, taking the paint, you know, in the brush and applying it to the canvas. And in John sixteen thirteen, it says, "Howbeit, when He talking about the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself." Right, but whatsoever he shall hear from the Father, that shall he speak, and he, the Holy Spirit, will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, the Father, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. And so the Holy Spirit uh, at work in us, the Father basically orchestrating it all, but the Spirit being at work in us, that if we would only yield ourselves to the workings of the the paintbrush of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because dipping it in the paint, the paint are those circumstances, Mm -hmm. situations of our lives, the different colors. And the canvas being us has to be prepared because otherwise you'll end up with a mess like I had. If the canvas isn't prepared, the actual paint just gets absorbed into the canvas and and just 
bleeds all over the place. It doesn't stay where it's supposed to be. Hmm. So you're right. If the if God is the the artist and the brush is the spirit of God, and the paint is those circumstances and situations in our lives, we just need to yield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's going to be the yellows and the reds and the pinks and the blues, but then other times it's going to be the browns and the blacks and the grays. But when they're all together on the canvas, yeah, they're beautiful. That's right. So the question is, did you get a refund because yours wasn't a happy little painting? No, unfortunately, <laughs> it's one of those things that when you realize it's not going very well, you've got one or two choices. <laughs> you can either make it into something else, which I'm not creative, so I couldn't. Or you find it in the trash can somewhere, <laughs> headed out for the trash Here's can. Your Here's your 1995. <laughs> only to realize I'm not an artist. Okay, so you can't paint. You can't uh, cross-stitch. Uh are you a good carpenter? No, believe it or not, even though my dad was, I never learned that trade from him at all. Yeah. I could not. My brothers can't. I, I just couldn't do it. I made in a uh, wood shop in high school. I tried to make a speedboat. Uh, you would have thought by looking at it, it was a shoeshine box. <laughs> Square. Square. <laughs>